Did I just call you Eagle? Yes. Here we go. Hello and welcome. Uh, what an awkward start. Here we go. This is the way it usually goes. Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens One on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 638. Hopefully, you guys are doing well this Friday evening. I've got a great uh, night for us ahead. The Fit Growing Goddess is here with me this evening. You want to tell us how you're doing this evening and where they can find you? I'm doing really good. You can find me on Instagram at Fit Growing Goddess. It's been a long day. I'm excited to smoke and talk some shit. Me too. Me too. I'm uh, going to smoke a little bit of Columbium. Take a deep breath now that uh, we went live there. It was such a laggy there. We had like two minutes before. It's kind of snuck up there. It felt a little awkward sitting there, kind of like, oh, I hear the Jeopardy song playing in the background waiting to start. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you bring to smoke? We might as well start there. Um, I don't know if you can see that. A little bit smaller nugs, little birthday gift I got from some good friends. Um, I want to say this is garlic icing. And then I have a little bit of hash. Say again. Oh, it was the YouTube come flying through there. I couldn't pause it before. (laughs) Sorry. Don't be. Full of mistakes this evening. It's okay. This is my first rodeo, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> Seemingly mine too. <laughs> oh, God. all right. I think I've got all the boxes checked once again. All right. So, again, thank you for joining me this evening, even with oh, all thank the you mistakes. For having me. No, <laughs> really. You can't even tell. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. So we start this off usually with uh, basically when did cannabis enter your life? When was the first time you used or seen cannabis? Um, some people are kind of surprised to find this out, but I actually didn't start consuming cannabis until I was almost 25. I kind of grew up in a really sheltered life and I was taught drugs are bad, okay? Drugs are bad, okay? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But uh, I just saw it as, I didn't know what it was and I just knew it was something to be afraid of. And then I had my son at 24 and uh, with all the hormones that come with kids came some like Uh, I guess postpartum depression a little bit, some baby blues. And I had a really good friend whose aunt baked uh, homemade cookies um, with like can of butter. And she had me try one and I felt so good. And I, I, I was like, okay, I like this. I like this a lot. I feel happy. I feel relaxed. I don't feel as stressed. I miss my kid. Okay. And the next time we hung out, she had a bowl and some weed. And I was like, okay, just what is it? what's weed? Which, which part is the weed? <laughs> and, um, I guess it kind of went from there. And about a year later, I was uh, 
trying to get a job at a dispensary. I was trying to leave my job as a teacher. I was part-time. It was more like a teacher's aide. I was in my son's school and I wanted to grow and I wanted to just be around cannabis more because I was consuming more and feeling better. And it was around the same time I was losing a bunch of weight because before I started smoking cannabis, I was about, I think I was like 170 pounds about. And I just had like an unhealthy lifestyle my whole life. And then, uh, I don't know, I would smoke and I would have all this energy. I would feel really happy. I would feel really like, yeah, okay, this is great. Like, what do you want to do? You want to go for a walk? You want to go outside? I, I, I wanted to move. And uh, started having this little like glass chillum, those OG chillums, those little glass ones where you can only pack in like as much as your pinky nail. I'd pack that in and I'd hit that in my car and I'd go in the gym and I'd have like a two hour workout and it would feel so good. And at the time I was mentally in a good place and eating well and balancing my lifestyle. And I just thought, man, I had this all wrong. I had this plan all wrong. And then it became, okay, how can I get more involved with it? What does this plan do? And then once uh, I started working in a dispensary about a year later, I dove headfirst into everything I could in the cannabis industry, anything, any information I could find on from growing to consuming, uh, legal limits for purchasing ingredients, uh, your, your endocannabinoid system in your body, what products I could recommend to help people in their needs, learning about terpene profiles and, and figuring out, you know, okay, you've got gastro issues, you know, we need some um, myrosine terpene, or if you're feeling really stressed out, my, I, know, I like myrosine terpene dominant strains. So that's one I'm going to bring up a lot, probably. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of went from there. And uh, since, since then, I have uh, started growing once I was in the dispensary. Oh, I got bag of seeds. That's how I started growing. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, questionable stuff like remember this is 2017 so uh the legal weed was still pretty new and what we got wasn't always what what it was supposed to be I know it sounds kind of bad but that's just kind of how it kind of how it was so we got something that said northern lights uh but it didn't look or smell like northern lights at all um but it was seeded it was heavily seeded so I, we had like no people coming in for a while. And I just, I asked my boss, I was like, hey, can I take those seeds? And he's like, why? They're just going to seed again. I was like, well, who can, what do you care? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Can I have them? Okay. So I sat there for about an hour picking out all the seeds of this bud and took them home, put them in a paper towel, put them in a Tupperware, let them sprout. And uh, I had like 13 sprouts, but I only, I only grew one my first round. And uh, that was that was it. That's pretty much what catalysted me to keep growing because my whole perception changed uh, the first summer I started smoking weed. My whole perception. My whole perception. I thought I had life figured out at 18. I really, <laughs> I really did. Um, and at 24, I felt like my eyes were being opened for the first time. So yeah. It's kind of... Please do. It's pretty awesome. So it, it's not too often that I hear people make 
find the medical side of cannabis right off the bat. I mean, most of the time, you know, people find it a little bit earlier in life and it's, it's recreational. And then at some point, maybe they realize, you know, it has some medicinal value, but uh, it's good to hear that, you know, you find it medicinal right off the bat, you know, it wasn't just recreation. No, the recreational came a little bit later, the more I enjoyed it. I didn't, uh, I think my first dab was what I would consider um, my first real recreational experience with weed because I hadn't gotten high to that point, <laughs> like when I took my first dab. And um, uh, yeah, I, that's pretty much my, my whole purpose and intention with growing it now. Um, I love to consume as much of the plant as I can from uh, like the raw cannabis leaves, whether it's in smoothies or juices, to my actual herbs, um, you know, dried or fresh. I've been started, I've started making um, like a, it's not fermented plant juice. Um, it's just uh, all the fresh leaves mixed with water. And I let that sit for about a week and stir it up. And uh, I get this really nice, tea from it this really nice extract from letting it sit and I've been giving that to my plants for a couple weeks now I saw that from uh, I think his IG is at original dankster he had posted that a few times and his his crops are are insane the simpler the better is what I've been trying to get to lately not just organic but sustainable regenerative and what I thought I knew I don't know I'm learning and I would love to expand all that knowledge and I'll keep expanding. But with, with time, I'm in no rush. <laughs> no rush at all. That's good because the organic hole is deep. <laughs> mm. uh, I've been growing for quite some time. And, you know, when I was using soil in the first few years there, before I switched into cocoa, it was more use it and dispose of it. And now right. later, much later in my grow career, I'm just taking it more seriously and, you know, trying to reuse, understand more scientifically what's going on in the soil. Yes, I am too, very much. And it seems like no matter how much I read, there's always more to learn. And no matter how much I learn, I still question if I'm really doing it right. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm just looking for a lighter that works. A little unprepared. It happens. No worries. And then I'm trying to keep quiet because uh, I have both my boys sleeping full-time mom and homeschooling mom as well as a grower. So that's always, always on the plate. And I'm trying to get my kids involved with that too. That's been something totally different in uh, not just my immediate family dynamics, but you know, the dynamics with my dad and my mom and their stance on it and what my son says around them, you know, how it was at first because they were really against any cannabis use whatsoever. And now they see pictures of my plants. They'll hear my son talk about, oh, mom's, mom's got some beauties right now, or mom had to kill a male. I don't like when she kills the males. And 
that's been, I, I never thought I'd be saying, hearing my son say stuff like that to my dad ever. So that's a whole new whirlwind. You know, it, it always warms my heart to hear people, you know, change sides or change perspectives on cannabis. You know, for so long it has been demonized and it's, it's you know, it's kind of sad that, uh, you know, it took a, a pandemic to kind of really, really bring out or shine a good light on cannabis. Uh, yeah. Well, some good had to come out from that. Um, pandemic. I agree, though. I agree. It's not always because I still have plenty of family members that are dismissive. We'll just say to be objective, they're very dismissive of cannabis, no matter what their substance of choice is. So as you kind of decided to smoke there, I believe I heard you say you kind of decided to be a bud tender there. Did yeah. through that process, did you, you know, uh, finding more people that smoke cannabis and use cannabis make you feel a little bit better, obviously, about uh, your decision to use cannabis as a medicine or just recreationally? Definitely. And even beyond that, it gave me a purpose, a real purpose, because, you know, you'd have everybody from, you know, um, I don't, I don't know, Tom, who wants an eighth, to Jerry, who wants an ounce, to, I don't know, Greg needs a specific kind of medicine, because he read online that White Widow was good for seizures and he wants to make an extraction for his uncle who has seizures. So then as a bud tender, I'm not doing my job if I'm not hopping online and helping him through this with at least my assistive knowledge. I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but I can at least tell him, hey, you need at least three ounces, not an eighth. You know, things, small, small things like that and feeling relieved and happy and like I said like like I'm doing something so much bigger than myself by just kind of guiding someone in the right direction if they want to make their own or do their do their own process of extraction because that was that was what that was what I found most memorable about being a bud tender was when people came in and they said I want to make my own RSO or I want to make my own what do they call it gorilla the gorilla is the other one Gorilla oil extraction. It's not exactly Rick Simpson's method. It's slightly different. Um, or people coming in and genuinely wanting to know about CBD and having to explain to them that most of what's available isn't going to help them unless they buy it in big bulk. You know, that they need something, you know, a thousand milligrams and up. This stuff that's 20 milligrams and 25 milligrams and even 100 milligrams doesn't benefit you to the point that uh, a much higher milligram was because from what I've read with CBD, uh, it, your ratio should be about five milligrams of CBD 
three to, excuse me, three to five milligrams of CBD per every pound you weigh, depending on what you're trying to treat. So when people come in and they're trying to treat cancer and they're trying to buy a hundred milligram bottle of a CBD and it's CBD hemp, not CBD or uh, cannabis sativa. It was a weird position to be in as a bud tender. But those were the moments that were most memorable. And that's, I think, what I keep coming back to is making my own extractions, making my own oil, growing my own bud, doing everything, learning, learning a lot, just learning a lot. I don't know anything yet, but I'm trying to. It had to be uh, kind of nice to start there, you know, um, as uh, you had people asking you and you didn't have answers, I'm sure it, oh, yeah, plenty of you time. just wanted to go home and kind of dig into some of the things you were, be, you were being answered or asked or, during the day, excuse spend, me. Yeah, spend the 30 minutes with them one-on-one. -on -one so what were uh, some of the stuff you... you for a minute yeah there's a little bit of a delay i'm sorry don't breathe last thing i heard was so what was oh i was gonna ask what were some of the things that uh really raised an eyebrow uh that you dove into from your journey there mm. um most <clears throat> most of the things that raised my eyebrows were things that were behind closed doors um, this, um, <laughs> how many, how many rules were broken? How many, uh, laws were broken? Um, uh, but at the same time, it didn't quite seem wrong. It almost seemed like the state really wasn't in favor of the patient. So ways that we would get around things to help patients it made sense. Raise eyebrows because, you know, you're taught to follow rules in school. Again, this is how cannabis helped open my eyes. Things are not so black and white. Everything requires conscious thought and effort. Maybe not everything, but when, when you're dealing with the job, yeah, you should have a lot of conscious thought and effort into that. And um, just like there would be times like patients would come up from uh, out of state. And this was early rec days. So uh, even no, this was before rec days. This was still in Michigan. It was med card only. And this was in um, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. And having people come up and them having multiple patients that are immobile out of state with proof of that, having their cards and he as their registered caregiver, meaning he can purchase for all of them but having a, a law like a single person cannot leave with more than 2.5 ounces of flour in hand. They cannot leave the door without it. So having a person, even if it's not for him and it's for his patients, that was still the law. So having to you know, make exceptions and work around things like that was always interesting. Or seeing, just, just seeing how much weed could come in at a time seeing the pounds of weed that, I mean, how I've 
pounds of weed that could come in, pounds of wax that could come in, um, having meeting all, all the producers of this stuff and the pride they took in their work, some more than others. Um, and seeing the demand for it, seeing the community build around different brands, different people that you actually see bringing in their stuff and having people say, I want that. I saw like a big thing for us for a long time was uh, a strain called Skittles. Um, and I, I don't think there was ever a day that went by where someone didn't ask for that, that I worked. Whether it was an eighth or a quarter, or if someone had the dough, you know, they, they, they shoveled out the $400 for the ounce. What power to them. It was good. It was very good. It was very good. Good time. And then I worked with all women there too. We didn't work with men. It was all women. And for the majority, we were very tight looked out for one another everybody knew each other everybody kind of knew everybody everybody kind of had their thing that they knew we had a girl that she knew every edible like the back of her hand just about every ingredient uh, dosage uh, flavors everything every single one and we had a lot we were a huge we the selection that we had it was like a quickie mark of uh, our 7-eleven that was originally how it was set up before our laws changed and everything had to be behind the counter because originally it didn't, our laws didn't require that in the dispensary. So you could grab a little, little shopping cart and walk up to it, say, yeah, I'm gonna get that and throw that in the cart and walk over here and say, I'm gonna get these edibles. There was a discount cart. There was a big cooler with a bunch of Kool-Aid, a bunch of drinks. And <clears throat> the best part was, was before, uh, before that, <laughs> uh, there were always like little concessions too. So like you'd come in and there'd be munchies waiting there for you that you could grab a little something, put it in your pocket and have it for later, whatever it was. And it was usually not healthy. So like Hostess and Frito-Lay brand items, little Debbie items, but everybody loves that stuff when, when they're high. So <laughs> yeah, I loved, I loved it. And I took pride in it, I did, because I, I learned a lot fast about strains, what was good to smoke, what wasn't, and how to help people figure out what they liked. There's a lot of people would come in and then be like, I don't know what to ask. I'm like, well, what do you like? And they're like, well, what do you mean? What do I like? I like to get high. Okay, when you break something up, what texture do you like? When you know you're gonna get high, do you like it really sticky? Do you want it dried out? How do you want it to stick together? Do you, you know, you want your grinder to get a little stuck <laughs> when you're tearing it up or do you want to feel the resin on your hands or do you like it dry? Things like that, you know, it, it was like making a connection with someone and saying, let me, let me help you pick this out. And I felt like I wasn't bad at it. I thought I was okay. I liked it. I like growing a lot more, I will say. Um, the stress of being in the dispensary, um, the responsibility. And at the time that I worked, uh, there were no half shifts. So you came in at nine and you left at nine, period. But no ifs, ands, or buts. And if you couldn't do that, you just didn't work that day. And it was, I made 
I did very well for myself there. I was able to pay my mortgage, took a lot of pride in that. It was good. It wasn't forever, but it was good. Grateful for the experience there. For some reason, when you said stressful, I was surprised. I think most oh people, gosh. you know, when they think uh-uh. when they think about the cannabis careers of the, you know, they think, oh yes, that's the life. You know what I mean? And sometimes <laughs> the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. So what Maybe was what was <laughs> what made it so stressful, I guess? So maybe it is a little bit more now, but back then when it was med, it was a lot harder to get. And whenever there were specials, which was weekly, we would be busy. Um, Our biggest, busiest day was always Sunday because we would run a special um, uh, four gram eights. You'd get an extra half gram. And yet there would still consistently be a 15 minute wait almost the whole day. So Imagine having to get the best version of yourself, you know? Hi, what are we looking for today? Okay, great. Let's, let's check it out. Edibles, carts, and you do that 200 times, okay? And let's say at least 5% of those people are having a really bad day and they take it out on you. And let's say another 5% of those people look at you and go, do you even smoke weed? And I'm waiting for someone else. Okay. I'm going to help you. Did you see that person cut? I did not. Can I help you get something? They cut. Can I help you right now? And, you know, that's, that's the nice end of it. I never even had someone yell in my face. I saw girls crying in the back room because gentlemen took their, 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 their issues out on these girls with name calling and insults over whatever their shortcomings were. Um, That was stressful. Or just having the pressure of messing up. You know, there were times I am embarrassed to admit this, um, but there there were times where I forgot to put things in people's bags. So they get home, something's not there. Oh, Ashley, you screwed up. And then there's the reprimanding and consequences of that. So then it's always on your A game. But at the same time, you've got, you know, your bosses who say, hey, we've got this new stuff. Try it. Go out and try it. Tell me if it's good. Tell me if it's good. Then you're high and you're at work. And don't forget, stay focused. It's interesting. It's interesting. I guess that's, that's the majority of the stress. But the rest of the time when people come in, when they're like, Ash, Ashley, or they see you and they're like, oh, 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 I'm so glad you're here because they like what you like. They have, you gave them a good recommendation. You know, they, they vibed with you last time. Oh, best moments. Or even better when someone would leave a review about you and actually, you know, give you some credit. Top notch. Top notch kindness like that goes a long way for bud tuckers. Yes, it does. I'd say 80-20. 80-20 in being a bud tucker. But it it is it's a it's a great job. Highly recommend it. 
So again, it would, from not being around cannabis and going <laughs> into that market, it would be pretty eye-opening just to, I mean, from not smoking it to going into something like that, it's pretty eye-opening to know how many cannabis strains there really are, you know, and the Ooh. different types and how they affect. Yeah, I spent that a had to be so. Did at, at that point did you become like a kid in the candy store? I mean, it's oh, like yeah. what you try. And, oh, every <laughs> night, every shift. Every sh- every night, every shift, because we were the, one of the reasons we were so busy was because of our variety, and we prided ourselves on having at least thirty strains at a time, minimum. Um, so imagine coming into this dispensary, and you just see uh, like ten, a row of ten uh, glass jars, you know, nice and full of pretty bud, mediocre bud maybe one or two questions, um, but for the most part, gorgeous bud. And there are three sections of this. And even though it's the same, it makes it look like a Wonka's wonderland of weed. It really does, especially when the dispensary is decorated with bong. I mean, I wanted to buy bongs or trays or I mean, trying to save money <laughs> when you're constantly surrounded by so much useful merchandise fun merchandise and then it makes it easier to sell when you have it which just makes you a better employee when you can make better recommendations it's a it's it's a cycle uh but i i definitely uh would get some sort of flower after every shift and i i had my favorites for a while you know there would be times where i wouldn't sway from something uh, no matter what it was, no matter. We had uh, rankings by shelf. So $8 shelf, $10 shelf, $15 shelf, and um, the $20 shelf. And so it wouldn't matter what shelf it was on. Sometimes it would be the, you know, 20, the 15, the 10. Sometimes some, something really good would sneak onto the $8 shelf. And it would kind of be one of those things where none of us <laughs> behind the counter would, uh, would kind of believe it would be like is this is this right did he have his glasses on when he priced this this right yeah okay this is right and so we'd all you know get our our whatever it was our our uh dosage and we were able to have like a what do you call it like a a bag for the end of the night because um that way the registers could be down at the right time or something I don't know but it was just it was very convenient that's for sure but honestly not as convenient as growing it like this I like being able to grow so many strains and I like that I don't have to question the bud when I light it or uh, question when I smell it or see sparks Lots of sparks fly when it's lit or burning in the bowl. Uh, I've, come, I've come across a lot of things trying varieties. Some good, some, good, some bad. Um, even a few strains that were, I don't know, just the high itself was really off. It's interesting, to say the least. 
So, yeah, it, it, it can be a little scary what has been passed off as medicine, as sparkly shit like that. I've seen some pretty crappy right? home cannabis. That's for yeah. sure. You can tell when people are just about their bottom dollar and their yields. They're just, it's numbers to them. That's all it is. It's numbers to them. And you can tell when it's craft or someone's learning and there's appreciation in the plan. Even, even the, the middle where it, it, is, it is about the numbers and it's still about the craft. You know, people that can really, really produce like that. It's cool to see so many people in the industry online doing that. And it doesn't need to be in a mylar bag to be beyond amazing. Beyond. You know, I think we lost something there when um, when we stepped forward in time a little bit with regulations and we took those jars away from the patients. You know, I remember the days of the jars myself. And yep. you don't get me wrong. I used to giggle and be in delight when I'd walk into any place with 30 jars. And right. I would always take my time and smell yep. each one. But I think... <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of it all is, you know, it there's is. always that one that you go back to that, you know, even if yep. you hit all 30, there's that one that you're like, <laughs> oh, that one back there. That's, yeah, that's the shit. So we had one and, that was like that. It was called Agent Tangy. That was, we had this amazing caregiver. He had a mom of that then that he just honed in on. And that was just all he grew. And I would say two thirds of our patients, if they couldn't find something new, that was always the solid one. That was always cleanest, the best flavor, the best nug size, most uniform, beautiful color, great orange hairs. And it, it really smelled like orange. It was great. So you're right. So yeah, you got to smell them all, but that one that's kind of classic, that one's always there. Agent Tangy. Well, I believe that it's a good way for the patients to identify their medicine as well. And I, I just don't think that correlate, transfers or correlates directly into some of the percentages that they put forth nowadays for patients. You know, yeah. it just doesn't transfer into what the nose told you before. This is my medicine. I agree. I definitely agree. I, you know, I did have a brief opportunity to work in some commercial size spaces. Um, not, I didn't uh, work for a commercial space, just in some really, really big operations um, uh, that were managed uh, with current culture. Uh, 50 gallon tank, massive rooms, massive plants, massive default days, trellis days harvest days and majority of the time everything looked amazing and usually smelled okay but it was just about the numbers and keeping everything nice and clean keeping everything organized in the rooms and I still didn't even touch like I I I, I touched the tip of the iceberg and helping care for those rooms so I don't even know. And working in 
you know, smaller rooms where the basement grows, oh, it's, they smell so different. You can really smell the difference in the strains and maybe not even basements, um, build outs, you know, um, pole barns, wherever they are, bedrooms, whatever, closets, tents. You can tell when the priority is the cannabis and when the priority is the environment. What do you think? No? Maybe? Mm, a little higher. Oh, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. 100%. Same goes with the people I call. There's the industry people and then there's the community people. The community people are the ones that actually care about their flower and will let you smell, try it. I mean, they they practically, you won't even take your money there. Here, just go try it. And if you yeah. like it, come back. And then there's the industry people that don't even really want you to open their jar and they're standing at the end of their counter table, checking their watch every five minutes. They really don't even give a shit. It's an inconvenience for them to be. Yeah. So it shows in their grow environments as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I got to have the experience nonetheless. It, it was always a lot of hard work, regardless whether you're doing it that size or whether you're doing it in a basement or a tent, you know, whether it's a 2,000 square foot space or, a, you know, 100 square foot space or 20 square foot space, it's work. And 20 is no comparison to 2,000, but just having the little experience that I did in the 2000 square foot space was just like wow this is again being a part of something so much bigger than myself the amount of people that depend on this the amount of people that it, it takes to keep an operation like that running smoothly and cohesively you know keeping everything happy and healthy good experience on any level so still liked it but I'm I feel so much more fulfilled um doing it for myself because I feel like when I was doing it close to um, a commercial level or just at a, at a bigger level I felt like um all of my energy went to those gardens and I I, I wanted it to I wanted to help so bad and um it, I don't know, it, it got to a point where I realized I lost my balance in life and I had just had a baby and my grow, I was falling behind. I was really just leaving myself last, which was my own doing. Um, and now that it's been a year and a couple months since having my son, getting back to doing things for myself at my level feels <laughs> so much better and not getting paid the same which is the bummer it's given me the opportunity to still implement all the structure I learned in that because that takes a lot of structure to run run an operation that big you know a lot of structure and a lot of goal setting and a lot of discipline 
and I got to take that and bring it home into my growth now. And I feel like I'm doing all right. I'm sticking to it and sticking to things that I might have procrastinated on a year or two ago or even before that. Growing, like that's that's my whole name, Fit Growing Goddess. Isn't because I'm a goddess at growing plants. It's because I'm committed to growing in all aspects of myself, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, you know, my growing my kids, nurturing my kids. Uh, that's that's where where I want to be at. So whatever level it takes me to, whether it's in a commercial space or a bigger space or at home or out with another farm, anywhere, I want to keep growing. I want to keep growing. What an awesome attitude. I, I, again, I agree 100%, you know, the cultivation side of things, I say almost nightly, is has the most, has every bit of impact, if not more so than the, well, I'm, I'm a huge medical advocate side of things. So, you know, I understand that it is recreational, but I think at the end of the day, it boils down to something. There's still admittedly or not kind of using it you know on a medical <laughs> level there even if it to be relaxed you know get away from oh, stress sure. whatever uh but Absolutely. i yeah, we i do believe that the cultivation side of things i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead Ruth. i just mean um like um, our endocannabinoid system inside. But, uh, <laughs> I'll run delay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think I can hear you. I feel it's moving. I don't hear anything. Sorry about that, man. That delay's a little bad tonight. Uh, it's Friday the 13th. I keep trying to forget that for some reason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my mom reminded me earlier today while I was driving. I called to tell her, Mom, I slipped and I fell in front of someone's house. <laughs> and she's like, Well, it's Friday the 13th. And I was like, oh, You're right. It is. It is. Good day. But cannabis does make you grow as a person uh, quite a bit. You know, it goes so different than the norm that we, when we were growing up, that we heard the stere typical stereo, uh, typical bullshit that, you know, you'll never be anything. Cannabis is going to ruin your life. I've never seen that. I've never necessarily seen anybody in cannabis that was seriously in cannabis to be lazy. I mean, everybody I go, I've seen in cannabis, it's quite the opposite. They're more running on the <laughs> little sleep, burning both ends of the candles to make sure everything's done. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find a balance. I feel that 
get, unless you get a lot of things automated, but then again, then we talked about when everything gets automated and everything gets really industrialized, everything becomes about the environment and you're really not as dialed into the craft. Or maybe you are, maybe that allows for you to be more dialed in. I'm just being objective at this point. I'm not trying to contradict myself, just I could see both sides of it, but still, I, I mean, even myself, I would like to be automated on my watering. That's definitely a goal I'm working on. So it sounded like growing on a little bit larger scale was prior to growing for yourself? No, it was um, simultaneously. So first it started, I was growing uh, for myself. Yeah, I actually, uh, so my introduction <laughs> to growing for someone else, um, I ended up um, being, uh, helping out uh, some other grows. Just, it started off not even with their actual grow. I just started helping with trimming on harvest day and uh, eventually worked my way into helping on cleaning day. And then eventually I was allowed to, you know, see what it was like to uh, treat the res and how to pH and get your EC right for the res. And that was, that was really cool uh, learning all that. But uh, at the time I was trying to learn as much about soil as I could because I really liked soil. Um, I had been growing in soil uh, since 2016 and I started helping on a larger scale in 2019. I'd already been growing for myself for three years and I, very small scale, just a four by four tent and I had just started growing in my 10 by 11 room, just barely. I had one hand-me-down uh, thousand watt HPS, uh, what was the brand? I don't even remember the brand but it was hand-me-down. The glass wasn't there anymore. I remember going to get uh, new bulbs for it and a new ballast for it because the old one was like a thousand pounds. It was nothing like the ballast. Now I had, I had never seen a ballast. It was just this huge ass hunk of metal with this big handle and it just had this little flippy switch and I could barely pick that thing up at the time. And so I went and got a new ballast and learned a lot about wattage and electricity that day and uh, making sure I had enough power to that, that wall. <laughs> uh, it was, it was great learning experience because I didn't have any help and I was too uh, scared to ask for any help from anyone else online at the time because they just, I don't know. I get in my head about uh, messaging people sometimes, so. I just was like, I'm do this myself. And I figured it out. And um, I had gotten help from uh, someone in the community who was growing at a larger scale, who had seen uh, that I had a lot of space that was not uh, producing anything really because I didn't, it just wasn't ideally set up. I, I think I still have some old pictures in my profile of this big ass room with this little light and it's so dim and it just could have, it could have been so much more optimal. And uh, they helped me out and I got 
four new lights, got a bunch of new plants, started helping out with some other grows, took in some clones and made the first mistake of not giving them a bath. I just thought, oh my God, I've got clones. I'm going to put these in soil. I'm going to put these right in my tent. <clears throat> mm, biggest uh, mistake and best lesson I ever learned uh, because they had russet mites. Always a tough lesson. Always a tough lesson. And I think everybody says the same thing after that. Never, never again. <coughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a rough one because I had gotten my plants to the biggest size I had ever gotten them. was really getting good techniques at uh, high-stress training, super cropping them. And um, everything was just going really well. And I don't, um, have you ever had russets or had anybody deal with russets? I definitely know people that have dealt with them. I've had regular mites, but not the russet mites. They're quite the battle. <laughs> there is no battle. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm a little high with that. I, I tried. I, I battled with them for a good. Uh, I think it was four weeks when I finally gave up because the, the stress my plants had taken on at that point, the money I was spending in trying to get rid of them. They had already burrowed into every single stalk very deep, every single one of them and slowly just shriveled just as the weeks were going by, no little to no bud. Seeing these massive plants just shriveled and brown and nothing. I tried to take them to the end of their cycle and ended up uh, throwing just about everything away. Burned so much stuff. Um, did a heat burn with my lights in the room and then did both attain and what was it, pyrithium? Uh, to make sure that they were gone and had to start everything over. And, uh, and just after that, I became really weary of clones in general because, you know, it, you just never know. You just never know. So everything right now for me is from seed. I like to start from seed anyway. I like the process. I like the journey. I like the end result too. I get the clones, get you there fast. Just like the journey. Most certainly narrowing it down to that one uh, is always fun yeah. and sometimes hectic because, you know, when you, yeah. when you pop in that pack of seeds and you actually get the, you know, maybe if you're lucky, five females or whatever, you never know which one to go with. So, you know, few rounds you're taking multiple cuts of each so right. you have a few few floating around before you make your final decision things can get a little hectic a little cramp sometimes yeah. before this final selection is made <laughs> yeah i know what you mean things were getting really tight in my room just a couple days ago then put three of them outside and then put all my veggies uh, outside 
and all my littles and I'm getting ready to flip them into flower now. Ah, finally. So do you grow cannabis outdoors as well or strictly indoors? Yes, uh, I like growing it outside because it's now that I've done it a few times, um, I'm more aware of how to manage it. Especially in Michigan, we get uh, really, really wet right after September, middle to September and on. It just, it's really easy to get mold, really easy. And uh, October is the best month to harvest here in the state, in my opinion, as far as, de depending on what you're running, I guess. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I've, I've definitely lost a few plants to mold outside and uh, bud rot. And the last two, I made sure to be on top of my uh, IPM schedule, uh, which was still pretty minimal, citric acid, uh, neem tonic. I really like uh, mountain organic botanicals. They have a uh, great tonic line that I can get on, it, see, it's, I have really sensitive skin. And so when I'm spraying stuff, a lot of times I'm not wearing gloves. But if I use anything that, uh, I don't know, is not, from, not derived from a plant, uh, but synthetic, I can get really irritated easily. And I, I never have a problem with this stuff. My plants are always really healthy, outdoors and indoors, pretty universal. Genuinely like it. So I'm kind of curious while uh, trying to work at a bigger girl and trying to uh, get one started on your own, was it a little difficult to kind of do simultaneous side by side, <laughs> you know, trying to maybe do some of the stuff on a I minimize some of the stuff on a larger scale you were taking in, you know, to your more personal size grow. Was it harder to kind of transfer some of the stuff over? Not really. Um, I feel like it was harder to maybe go at the pace I wanted to go. Like I wanted to learn more. I wanted to give more time to my personal grow. I wanted to watch more videos at the time I was really um, listening to Steve from Green Life Productions talk a lot about their process and indoor uh, no-till methods. It's really impressive. They're in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, and uh, they're on their 29th cycle uh, no-till. <clears throat> Haven't touched it and trying to learn from them, but at the same time, being in a pattern of having success with the method that I was using um, like the hydro, the large grow, you know, having, trying to apply, I guess it would be like a broganics <laughs> to what I was doing when I really truly wanted to just be as, I guess, regenerative, re, regenerative as possible. And that's what I'm trying to do now, learn more about composting worm composting. I've got a compost pile going in my yard. Um, it's got some worms, but not enough. And then wanting a worm bin indoors, something clean, um, something that I know 
all of my scraps for my juices can go into, into well, majority, not everything, but majority. And having uh, fabric beds, that's the next step. No more pots, no more uh, recycling the soil. It's a lot of work. It's awesome that you're headed in that direction though. It's more sustainable. I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, take the long way around and come back to it for one reason or another. You know, I was asking the question the other night of another guest, you know, uh, basically again, a regenerative farmer. And I was like, so would you, which would you kind of, you know, suggest right off the, the bat? Would you actually suggest organics, the simplicity of organics right off the bat? Because uh, it can be, as I said in the beginning there, a quite deep rabbit hole. And I think at some point you watch some of these shows, all good hearted, you know, some of these folks, these new growers in the beginning, watching some of the subject matter and hearing some of the large words are like, well, maybe cannabis is a little bit difficult, you know, when it's really not that difficult. I think some of the, the terminology and the depth that you can get into in organics uh, could be a little bit off-putting for some when, you know, that I think that's next level stuff, you know what I mean? But again, I propose the question to him, which would you, you know, would you offer the simplicity of cocoa, the easy one, two, three, or would you start them off on their, their organics journey too? And I, I'll tell you this though, and looking back, I don't necessarily have any regrets because okay. being doing it as long as I have, I'm enjoying a new door being opened, uh, okay. you know, uh, kind of re refiring the passion a little bit, you know what I mean? Right. So in, in that aspect, I guess I'm a little grateful it came later for me. Okay, that's cool. That's good to hear. Um, personally, I guess I would ask them what their end goal is. And if they answered, well, I really want a lot of weed. If you want a lot of weed, it starts you off one, two, three. And I would probably recommend a few people for you to follow that are very successfully having incredible yields under very sufficient, modest lights that aren't an arm and a leg. Um, it's a very, it's very attainable to do if you, um, put the time in and put the effort in. And yet, um, I'm sure a lot of growers get messages from people that, you know, want help and have no idea where to start and really just want you to kind of lay it out for them step by step. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, do this. And it's really hard for a grower to do because I don't think many of us had that. We all kind of fell into it one way or the other in so many different ways and I think it would be difficult for you to just start telling someone what to do especially when <clears throat> yeah what's the most objective way to say this um especially when you don't know that person and then you know just messaging you it's different if a family member or a friend comes to you and even then I know plenty of growers who will stand up 
and swear up and down that they won't help another soul because they've been screwed over so many times that they've helped so many people. I, I personally haven't been uh, screwed over, but I do know what it's like to put a lot of work and effort into something thinking that you will, thinking thinking that you are both on the same page with whoever you're helping, whether you're growing for someone whether you're helping someone set up for the first time, whether you've got an investor who wants you to run their operation or whatever. And at the end of it, you end up going your separate ways because you didn't see eye to eye because communication wasn't there or because the person starting out, you know, just was afraid to be completely honest about their motives from the beginning because maybe then the grower might not have helped them. I might have been helped. Oh, sorry. Good advice. Good advice. It's just so you know, you know who you're helping and know why they want the help. And for the most part, somebody who really wants help will just ask the right questions and you'll just you'll know how to answer them. You know, if somebody says, Teach me how to grow. Okay, here's some books, here's some websites. Start there. Let me know when you have another question, specific question, and I'll answer it. Let me know how I can help. So where were uh, some of the places that you looked when you started? Ooh, books. Um, the first thing I read was the, uh, the Grow Bible. And um, by Greg Green. God, I also don't have my books um but that was the the first one and then actually i got a magazine from a girl at the local grocery it's now a grow generation but before it was grow generation it was superior superior grow store i think is what it was called and this awesome chick she was my like first introduction to someone who was able to give me some real insight. She gave me this uh, magazine page and um, it just had like a, I don't know, like a how to, how to of growing in a very small space. At the time, I just had a two by four tent. That was what I started with. I didn't know anything about any ventilation, any soil, anything. I was like, I know I don't really want to use any uh, synthetic nutrients. I didn't really have a good reason why she, she, she used to tell me, she says, so you just want to starve your plants. I'm like, no, I just, I just don't want to buy any of the nutrients. And that was just what I said. I was kind of ignorant, but I, I knew I didn't want to use the nutrients. Um, I'll still stick by that <laughs> because it, it led me to where I am today. I knew I didn't want to put any, sorry, I'm going to hit that. <laughs> it was just she gave me the layout of how to mix your own soil and once I started mixing my own soil I um, came across a Instagram post on plants because it was related to soil and things I had been looking at you know the algorithm does that and it was at Mountain Organics Botanicals and this was in 2016 2017 
and they had a website and their website was really helpful. So I used that a lot as a reference because it was about uh, really simple soil recipes, things that were really attainable. It wasn't, you know, a 12 part mix or, you know, it, it was just, it was like four things. It was peat moss, cocoa, potting soil, and pumice. That was it. It was really simple. And um, the, it, then it talked about using compost and using a little bit of biochar. Oh, I hope I said that right. Um, and a uh, little bit of, I think, rock dust at one point. A few other things that were just kind of experimented with. But the reason I used that as a reference was because on the Mountain Organics Botanicals website was they had a 100 gallon pot that was 10 years old and it had been cycled through at least at least a dozen runs plus other fruits like tomatoes, basils, a bunch of other herbs were growing in that pot. It was a whole living little ecosystem in this 100 gallon pot. And I was like, that's so cool. And it was in a basement. I thought, okay, if he can do that, I can, I can do that. Not there yet. <laughs> uh, but that was kind of where the inspiration started. And so from there, it was just Google um, how to mix soil, what do my plants like to eat? And then I came into things like molasses and the dispensary was helpful at the time because I got to talk to some growers. A lot of times we'd get growers that would come in that were in between harvests and they would need a couple ounces for a patient. They would you know, be getting for someone else, but they would let me talk to them about what to do, what to buy. And some had some very interesting um, <clears throat> methods and some were really old school, you know, had been growing since the sixties. And that was, that was really cool to talk to them. And then there were, you know, guys who thought they knew everything and were trying to tell me when to feed my plants, how much, telling me to get uh, heavy D this and heavy D that. And I remember thinking, no, 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 no. I know what that stuff is. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And now I think my biggest references are still books and Instagram books like um, uh, Teeming with Microbes is one that I'm rereading again. And um, the No-Till, the No-Till Farmer, I think it's called, by the Reds and his methods with uh, uh, mixing soils and teas and doing uh, spikes in the soil for different amendments. I kind of did that the last couple of runs, played around with, you know, putting my soil together and then putting spikes in, which are just little holes, and then you put your amendments in when needed, depending on where you're at at the run. And I didn't quite care for that. I, I really just want to find a way to build a soil system. I think that's the end goal right now. So any information will probably be people in the community. Honestly, they're they're the best resources because they're actually doing it. It's not just here's a book, read it, good luck. It's here's a person, you see what they're doing, 
they're open about their practices. They're open to helping um, from depending on who they are and um, the community is probably my best resource right now, mostly on Instagram. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good information out there. You know, I definitely kind of said, tell everybody to kind of take it in and see where the dots line up with you and make your own kind of game plan. Run with the truths that you see. <laughs> yeah. Because it's easy to get mixed up with, you know, everybody's methods. But, it, you know, if you watch enough of that stuff, you will see, you know, the basics kind of line up and, you know, what to do. Easier to make your own playlist, I think. It is, especially if you can tune it into your lifestyle. You know, me being a mom is different than someone who doesn't have any kids. You know, my best time to be with my plants are between, you know, 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. Or between, you know, once they're asleep, so 9 p.m. and, and after. Or uh, a little break in the middle of the day if I need to do something when the lights are off. If I can, uh, I can usually get a break. But... Or, you know, my having my eight-year-old just ask questions about it. When he was younger, he liked to do uh, the moisture reading with me in the soil. And he'd have like a little sheet and he'd go through and read them. Now that he's getting a little older, his friends come and knock at the door and they want to play, he's He's off doing his own thing. But every once in a while, he comes back around to help, especially now that we're doing the outdoor gardening. It's good. I think horticulture should have been taught to all, all of us early on. It had been more beneficial. And as we kind of talked about a little bit, man, it does kind of teach us a lot about ourselves as we learn more about the plant, the soil, it kind of cultivating the plant is cultivating our personality as well. Uh, I've seen it across the board, you know, it, it how, how well it can enrich people's lives. It's small little doors like we've talked about, organics, mm -hmm. pest infestation, little things like that just kind of lead to little things. And, you know, organics moreover though, <laughs> seems to cultivate the, the soul more than any of the above so far though agreed 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 i definitely wish that it had been taught in school i was pretty lucky that i had um i still had my grand my grandpa influence that you, know, you save seeds eat real food even though i didn't grow up with healthy habits and then once i had my son and just wanting to have a more healthy lifestyle because I'm not the person I was before I tried cannabis. Like I, I kind of hate to admit this, but at the same time, that's, that's what growth is, is you admit who you were. Cause if you can't admit who you were, how the heck can you ever change it? Right. How can you ever address it? Otherwise it's not there. But uh, I was like, I was like the type of person where if I went into uh, an apartment complex, I was, like, I was like a Karen, like I'm, if I smell weed, I might call the cops just because I smelt it. And this was in like 2000, I don't know, nine, 2008. 
2010. I was also uh, overweight <laughs> and a lot of other things, just unhappy in a lot of ways. I don't know. And I had the huge misconception that it really was something to be afraid of. I really did. That still blows my mind sometimes that that's how people knew me or a version of, that there there's a version of me like that. And now becoming this mom who has a vape pen in her deck bag. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's 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 awesome to be here because I feel I feel more myself and I feel more more accepting of the fact that um, I can be myself and I don't have to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. No worries. Um, you know, that's something I do hear a lot about, though. You know, more so when I, you know, ask about that first experience, you know, uh, why do you, why did, what was it, you know, that made you kind of keep going? And a lot of times I hear that that's one more main things that I hear is it made me feel myself, it made me feel yeah. more normal. I did. I felt like uh, I hadn't felt uh, like this uh, side of my personality since grade school or younger, you know, or middle school, maybe. From that, I could finally kind of relax and I didn't really have to be on guard from other people's perceptions of me because I feel like that's something I struggled with a lot was worrying. Um, about just being accepted, being sure I was presentable in, in any way, shape, or form. That, that was something that always weighed heavily on my mind growing up. And the smoking kind of took that away and just kind of let me be like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Kind of a, a much more carefree attitude. And I like that. It, I don't have to try with that. I can, I can just be. So um, kind of switching back to the cultivation side of things. Uh, tell us about that first run, your first run. You know, uh, you, you talked about that, that ballast you could hardly carry there. Uh, what were, <laughs> what size pots, what were, but oh, we're, no, uh, what was the Russ's dream? Oh my God. <laughs> my first run, I didn't even have the ballast yet. My first run was under a T5 from start to finish. <laughs> it was uh, a T5 and like a five gallon pot, I think. And um, the same soil, the whole uh, six weeks. So I did a six week veg, I think. And <laughs> I actually messed up and um chopped it at like week six in flower way way too early um uh, the strain was cherry pie and i remember just feeling really proud and uh really excited 
I remember not having to do too much. I would just reapply soil and just water. It was just water. That was all it was. It was just water every like two days because it was a T5. How much could the plant do with that? <laughs> um, not much. I didn't know that at the time. And um, I got a whopping 12 grams um, on that first run, that one plant. And uh, the strain was orange kush. And it was, it smelled really good and it was way sparklier than anything I had seen in the dispensary to me. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't, but to me, it was just like, wow, I did this. I did this. I can grow my own weed. If I can grow my own weed, lose this weight. Because at the time I had just lost a bunch of weight too. I was, I was at my lowest weight that I had been in since high school or middle school. So at the time of getting to reconnect with this self, I was also getting back to that same body size, which I hadn't been in years. So that's an even smaller and in better shape because I was, I was strong. I was really fit. I had a lot of endurance and it felt good. Um, and I remember just feeling really prideful and ready to do it again and ready to keep going and keep growing and keep growing. And uh, I didn't start actually really trying to I don't want to say apply myself, that sounds bad, but really, really try to um, get a really good yield and more uniform plant, start going on YouTube. I started going on YouTube a lot and looking at videos on how to increase your yield, what to do in week two of veg, what to do in week three, when to transplant and upgrade pots. Uh, started just YouTubing, Googling any question I had and spending time watching videos and being better at better at shaping a plant getting better at getting in tune with deficiencies my god I can't tell you how many times I messed up and over fertilized the soil once I started uh, messing around with guanos and uh, alfalfa meals um, any kind of any kind of amendment I could add as I started getting into that by the second and third run. And he, uh, never, never really so much with compost, but I overdid it with the guanos quite a few times and messed up and completely basically burned my plants and not knowing what I was doing or attracting gnats because I had too much guano and I didn't know at the time how to do any IPM methods because I was just doing this in the tent and not talking to anybody about it. So my IPM was just taking my plants out of the space and cleaning the tent, which at the time made sense. But by the second run, learned better. Just a lot of, a lot of mess ups as far as cultivation. I feel like I messed up a lot. And um, I feel like there's still so much more to mess up on <laughs> and so much more to try with. Like I'm really uh, apprehensive about doing these indoor beds because it's a lot of soil. It's a lot to keep going. I just, I feel like I wanna make sure I know everything about, everything that I can know about uh, sustaining soil 
in beds like that because these would be these beds are three by three by four and I have four of them coming I think that's what they are the three by three um it's um grassroots fabric pots so getting the soil in them and you know just not messing it up because all the times I did mess up I don't I don't think I would now I, I kind of know what I'm doing now just still want to learn I want to make sure I know exactly what I'm doing mm, we'll get there You know, I'm kind of a hands-on person myself. I love to, you know, I, for me, it's the best way to learn. And it's right. learning from my mistakes. Right. <laughs> you know, they're the ones you remember the best anyway. Sometimes the easy <laughs> knowledge kind of can, can come and go, but those lessons are there forever. <laughs> you really are. You really are. And I get to experience that again as a mom, just as watching my kids grow up, watching them make mistakes letting them make mistakes. You know, my son wanted to keep a male plant that I had. I was hesitant about uh, sharing it online just because I get in my head. Um, but I had a male pop up and I told him, I was like, oh, we got to toss this one. He's like, can I keep it? And he put, wanted to, he put it in his room. And I was like, why? He's like, because you can't, he's just killing him because he's a boy. Because he's, I don't know. He just wanted to save the plant. So he kept it in his room and watching him take care of it and watching him uh, forget to water it and trying to remind him but not nag him because it's not mine. It's his, you know. If I'm on him all the time, is he going to remember the fun experience of growing that? No, he's going to remember mom in his ear the whole time. Did you water your plant? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? Whereas if he just comes with me to the garden, and he sees me and I ask him, how's your plant doing? <gasps> I water it. I do this. I do that. Okay, we'll do this. But at the same time, he did forget to water it for an extended period of time. And um, it died. And he was very upset. Um, so he's watching, now he's watching my garden for uh, a new male to try again. So it's cool to see those habits kind of get passed on. That's super awesome. You know, coming from a more conservative side, you know, the first half of your life, I appreciate the mm -hmm. fact that you're not necessarily, you know, shunning it to your son, you know, these days, you know, more or less encouraging it. There's so many great things that yeah. come from cannabis. For one, it's a it offers a good quality of life, but, you know, it, it teaches a lot of lessons that can be applied in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I think it's necessary at this point. I don't know if, um, if in Canada, if it's uh, how easy and convenient it is to get uh, what I would call a medible or like a gummy. Um, but here in Michigan, it's very easy, very convenient. And in my city recently, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, sometime this week, um, in a school about 
five miles from my house, a fifth grader brought a gummy to school, one gummy, um, and shared it with another fifth grader. Both experienced really paranoid symptoms, elevated heart rate. They ended up going to the hospital and found this out. And um, there was a lot of confusion as to one, how the kid got it, two, how the kid knew um, and did it and, and in the sense of thinking that it was going to be a good time because part of why I like to bring this around my kid is so I can tell him, hey, this is medicine. This isn't, this isn't for kids. This is, this doesn't, this isn't like candy. This is like, um, it's like putting on, uh, what, what do you call them? Kaleidoscope glasses or something like that's what I try to explain to him. Like this isn't, this isn't for fun. This is not kaleidoscope glasses. What did I say? I said, for you at your age, because you're a child, this will make you feel dizzy. This will make you feel like maybe you're on a boat. Um, it, it won't do anything for you. Like when you see mom take a gummy and then, you know, we do a puzzle or we read or we just hang out on the floor. Or we go outside or do something. It isn't like that. Not for you. Your brain's still growing. Your brain's still changing. Your brain's still developing. And it won't respond to these cannabinoids in this medicine like my brain does. Same, same thing with alcohol, I tell him. It's different. And I got to trust that he understands that. Because to see on the news and in a bunch of social media posts, a school very close to me had two kids hospitalized because they brought a gummy in my gut, that tells me that the kid probably knew that the parents had cannabis products and medibles, but they were clearly being sneaky. So there's some kind of miscommunication there. And I was recently seeing a poll on, I think I, Cannabis Chem, this, uh, she did a poll on what age people started first consuming. And based on that age, it gave us our target audience of cannabis education. And it was 12 to 14. That age is where cannabis education should start because of the age most people tried it. And if we're targeting people that have already tried it, there's, it's not that there's no room for education there. It's just not gonna leave as much of an impact to somebody who's already experienced it, whether they had super paranoid effects or had you know, great effects. I tried to talk to a woman at my gym the other day, and this is a grown woman, this isn't even a child, about Rick Simpson oil, um, her and I were talking because she was having horrible pain in her knee and I had watched this awesome uh, guy on Instagram heal uh, from an ACL surgery using just RSO and smoke, like no um, opioids. And so I was trying to talk to her about it and she said that because she got high one time from an edible, and had a horrible experience, she won't try anything with THC. And she was in recovery for opioids. But because of that one experience, she wasn't, she was just like, no, no, no. And even if I tried to tell her, you know, you don't have the same psychosis with this oil because of the amount of terpenes like you do with a, a THC brownie, it just didn't, it didn't make sense to her because she had already had that experience. So if we're talking to 
kids that haven't had an experience, their minds are just much more open to trusting, you know, the actual education on the medicine and how it should be consumed, when it should be consumed, how it's used, what it's used for, and what it's not used for. That's just my two cents. It's a good two cents as well. You know, um, as far as, you know, I, my, my, again, my, my, my stance on cannabis is very medical. I've seen so many people over the years struggle with opiate and drug addiction. And I would much rather see anybody use cannabis in place. It's not, you know, it's not the end all. I'll be the first one to admit, you know, it's an amazing plant. It has a lot of healing powers. Does a lot, but it solve everything. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Sometimes <laughs> you, you do need, you know, but it it can it can get people back on the right path. And I've talked a lot about that uh, through you know RSO, FICO, uh, and cultivation. I would like to see something like that set up at some point, kind of a rehab through cannabis and cultivation. Now, I think it has to be both though, because okay. as you come off them opiates and pills and learn to, to come clean, I think you need to rewire a little bit, but yeah. more so you should learn to sustain yourself with future okay. medicine if you choose B. But as we were talking about earlier though, even if it's hemp or cannabis, through mm -hmm. cultivation, learning to cultivate that plant, you kind of learn to more about yourself. You, you know, yeah. you're starting over, you're cultivating yourself as you're cultivating the plant. And I think it would be a awesome way for recovering addicts to kind of, you know, recenter themselves and take off in life on a good start. So I don't know. Agreed. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I feel like, I mean, I, I relate to you saying that just because I, I felt that way when I was just starting to smoke again and uh, garden again. I felt like I, like I said, like I was myself and I was, I was getting back in touch with uh, the self that, you know, didn't have to deal with a lot of problems or issues. And she just got to be herself and just go to school and do what she needed to do. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think that there's this big movement of people healing through their uh, traumas from when they were younger and being comfortable addressing them when generations before us weren't. Yeah. Cannabis is playing a huge role in helping that, a huge role. And I, I see it just consistently moving even more forward in a positive like cannabis in general. And more and more people being open to talking about their use with it, whether they're moms, dads, teachers, growers, CEOs, doctors, uh, guy next door, the girl next door, whoever they are, versus, you know, seeing it as you know, some character from that 70s show in their basement or something like that. It's, it's not so stereotypical anymore. And... It's good to see. I think it's good to see. 
So uh, on your page there, it says uh, holistic uh, wellness. Did that come with cannabis as well, or did a holistic kind of lifestyle come before cannabis, but was well adapted? Um, I think it came after. Yeah, it definitely came after. Um, I had, oh, so I had this huge, I've had this huge journey with food in my whole life. I feel that food is definitely the most abused drug in, uh, in society. Period. Period. Whether it's by restriction or overconsumption or binging or sweets or fried or whatever it is, food triggers mood big time. And um, it wasn't until I started smoking that I actually started having some real discipline with what I consumed. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the cannabis, maybe it's not. Maybe it was because the cannabis opened my mind to reading other books and being open to just the fact that I could change and I could change my habits, which I think when you're overweight for most of your life and you just have these bad habits, because that's what, what it is to eat fast food every day. It's a bad habit. That's what it is to eat food out of a can, you know, two or three times a day or three servings in a row. It's a bad habit. It's, it's how you, you know, rapidly gain weight and get bad skin and go into depression and have a hard time sleeping you don't feel good. You're just kind of in survival mode. But it's kind of the standard American diet sometimes. So it's not like it's not like you're set up for success in, in the States here. You, you really aren't when it comes to food. And even if you do cook for yourself, the typical foods people cook are not the most beneficial to you nowadays it's all about convenience and taste versus fuel and nutrition because that's what it is but i think like i said it's it's just uh very uh, abused whether it's your typical sweets or just the habit of when you eat and when you don't gives people a lot of control gives yourself a lot of control and I felt that I gave in to every craving I had, unless I did some sort of radical diet or slim fast or something high bow or just some juice cleanse. Like, and, and it wasn't juice, it would be like cranberry juice for three days. And it was just all unhealthy. And again, this is all before cannabis, but I was thinking I was doing normal things, you know, and I wasn't. Then I become someone who started smoking, not every day. I, um, I, now I smoke every day, but then I'd smoke maybe every other day at night um, after my son was asleep. I always get the munchies, always. And I started noticing that if I ate things that were, you know, out of a bag, like crackers, chips, munchies like that, uh, really crappy the next day. I literally would call it like a weed hangover because I would feel really groggy because I didn't sleep well because of all the food I ate. You don't, when you, when you eat a bunch of food late at night and then you go right to sleep, if you don't give yourself about an hour in between to digest the food, it's, it's hard to go into a deep sleep. So you wake up not as well rested. You wake up kind of foggy. And so I started making changes and doing things like apples and peanut butter or you know bananas and chocolate chips, things like that instead. And I would get... Uh, the munchies and I got that idea because it's like okay well 
if I can change and smoke this, like I can change and eat better too. I can do these little things. And that's just me personally. That was just what I figured. And it came more and more and to the point where I uh, went vegan in 2016. And I completely cut out meat. I completely cut out dairy. It was a huge, huge change. Like, huge change, especially for my family. Nobody was vegetarian. And we're a big Mexican family. Nobody did not not eat. Meat was all there was to eat. Meat, beans, rice, and the beans had lard in them, and the rice had lard in them, and it's like all animal products. And the first two years trying to adjust to that was so difficult, and I'm so glad I had cannabis uh, to kind of get me through that. And at the same time, um, I'm not vegan now. So that's been interesting and fun. And it's not because I don't love animals. Um, It's because I wasn't eating uh, veganism in a sustainable way after a while. (sighs) It's not sustainable to get a bunch of tropical fruit constantly uh, to Michigan all year round. It's just not, it's not sustainable to eat quinoa every day. It's just not, it's, um, I, the same thing can be said for steak or chicken or eggs. Like it's not sustainable to eat those things every meal, every day. It's not everything in balance. And now uh, I feel like that's where I'm at with my growing and my consumption because there was a time where I feel like my weed consumption far outweighed how much I was growing. I mean, I was just smoking everything, trying to get as high as I could all the time. When I started helping with the bigger operation, that's when there was just, there was always so much weed. Always. When you work with an operation that big, it's just always there. And, and uh, extractions too. It's just, it was great, great experience. And um. I think that's when the overindulgence got out of balance and the same thing with uh, being vegan. And then uh, when I got pregnant with my second son, I, I wasn't at, I wasn't eating uh, enough and I wasn't eating properly. But at the same time, I was uh, helping to manage this big grow space throughout my pregnancy. I was doing my own grow at the time. And I was still managing homeschooling and cooking for my son. It it was just really hard to sustain myself. I think it was like the last month of my pregnancy. I was uh, just ready to eat some fish. I think that's how it started. A fish, fish. Couldn't eat much of it. And slowly, it all just kind of started working its way back. And... I feel better. I don't eat meat every day, um, but I definitely feel better not being vegan anymore. But there are still days where I do eat vegan. I just don't call it that. I'm not eating meat or dairy that day. And then also, just a side note, throughout my pregnancy, I also was consuming cannabis throughout that because that got me through the nausea, the sleepless nights. The nausea is, was probably the main thing. And just the stress. 
just just kind of just there's not a lot of female growers to talk to about being pregnant while uh, managing a grow or your own grow and then helping out with other grows and just the dynamic that all that comes with. And um, I think now thinking back on it, I was under a lot, a lot of stress during that time. So thank God for cannabis. So with that being said, would you, you know, suggest it to other mothers that have, you know, that question before them, should I quit or should I not quit? I understand moderation is key, but to eliminate all, you know, well, all I in all. To, well, I talked to my doctor about it because I was really open with her um, about my uh, cannabis use throughout my pregnancy. The hospital that I went to, uh, doesn't test uh, for cannabis, so it it wasn't something I was I was very thankful that I wouldn't have to worry about you know CPS or anything like that because um, not not all states operate like that. So there are plenty of mothers in other states that if the hospital tests and they test positive for THC during their pregnancy, you know I don't know what the actions are that the hospital will take. I guess it, that would be my main priority is what, uh, what, are, what are your hospital's policies uh, when it comes to testing? That's always key because it's different than the law hospital policies. And um, be open with your doctor. And if you're not open with your doctor, get a different doctor if you can. <laughs> get a doctor that you can talk to. I don't, because I... I found it beneficial throughout my pregnancy. I didn't see where it hindered me or my child. He was born beautiful and healthy um, with the exception of uh, it, when he was delivered, um, something that happened with the uh, cord and it tore instead of being cut. So that's his blood flow. That's his oxygen. So it was immediately taken away and he uh, took in a bunch of uh, amniotic fluid and all the membrane on him before it was cleaned off so he got sick and, but he spent the first week uh, in intensive care uh, with fighting off uh, pneumonia and healing a little tiny hole in his lung because when he did that it happened so fast and it, it, that just happened and I remember uh, that week I didn't leave the hospital and I didn't consume that was the, my first time not consuming cannabis and it was the worst week ever because I'm also your hormones are I don't think there's any way to describe the kind of hormones that you go through immediately postpartum having a baby it's it's really like um it's a really big mental toll it looks pretty online and there's lots of pictures but there's a huge mental toll um I think for dads too if they're a part of the whole experience and they watch their wives go through it um the, 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 that first couple of weeks right after having the baby is just, it's a huge shock. This thing that was inside of you was just here and not having cannabis that week was, was really hard. And I was in a lot of pain uh, postpartum physically. And I wasn't, I didn't want any opioids. So that was uh, really hard. And I remember um, my uh, son's dad uh, sneaking the pen into the hospital. And I remember 
trying to hit it and coughing and being in so much pain that I was scared uh, to smoke. So then I had a good friend get me some RSO. And once I got home, um, it was really small amounts. I'm talking like bean size, little, little like, you know, pea, little pinto bean size amounts. And um, it was a good, it was a good, uh, better recovery, a much better recovery. And um, I just, I, I if you're already consuming cannabis and you get pregnant, the biggest concern my doctor had was the combustion from uh, the lighter. And she said that there wasn't any way to know if my meds were clean. And when I told her I grew and showed her pictures of my garden, uh, she didn't really know what to say, except okay. And that felt really good. That felt really good. Well, this subject matter kind of hits home a little bit, to be honest with you. And I appreciate you, you know, telling me your side of the story because um, I'm going to be a grandpa on Tuesday. And oh, wow. my oldest daughter has posed this, you know, we've struggled through this. She's a, you know, cannabis user. Okay. And, you know, came to me, you know, wanted my advice early on about, you know, cannabis and pregnancy. You know, I'm not the best source here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think, you know, out of all options, I think, you know, again, in moderation, like I said, you know, it's a good stress reliever. And I kind of took that with a lot of optimism, as I'm sure you know, you know, it's not necessarily the best subject. But, um, you know, I, I really feel she, she kind of wanted to consume a little bit, but again, some shame there. Again, worried about the hospital. You know, the testing from the hospital was another big scare as well. And um, the future, you know, breastfeeding with cannabis as well is a concern oh, yeah. with her. But, I, um, um... I can tell you See, from, just from personal experience, um, I'm still nursing uh, my son and he's uh, 14 months now, 15 months now. And I have consumed cannabis uh, every day, just about every day since I've been home. Uh, maybe there's been a few times where I've gone without here and there, but every day. And there hasn't been anything abnormal or out of the ordinary, unhealthy. If anything, he's very alert. He's ahead in his motor skills. He's very coordinated, very strong. He uh, very much takes after his brother. He's very observant, picks up things quickly, figures things out quickly, has a uh, big personality. I can't see any, any, any difference in him. There's nothing that you would look at him and go, oh, well, your mom smoked weed while she was pregnant with you. <laughs> there's just not, there's nothing there like that. 
and a lot of studies that I've read, um, one study that I've read, the main one uh, from, I saw from, there's a great Instagram called Cannabis and Parenthood, at Cannabis and Parenthood. And she posts a lot of studies, both pro and um, against cannabis. Uh, you can tell when there's bias in the articles that are written against uh, cannabis use during pregnancy or just cannabis use in general. And you can tell when the articles are written from a medical standpoint and they are clinical studies or trying clinical studies trying to be performed. Uh, that was my best resource. And just the fact that that mom also shared her experiences as a cannabis using mom. I have uh, there's a lot of uh, moms on there that I see that use cannabis and breastfeed um, that use cannabis throughout their pregnancy and that it's, it's not harmful. If we make, if our endocannabinoid system, you know, makes cannabinoids and that's what we're getting when we uh, ingest this plant, we're not putting some uh, altering chemical in our body. We're just giving our body exactly what it needs. It's really important when you're pregnant. You know, I think it would have helped. Oh, sorry. Oh, please finish. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're okay. I was just going to say, I think it helped me um, just stay more in tune with myself throughout my pregnancy because pregnant everything changes your whole body isn't yours anymore and you become this you kind of become an object you really do you're this pregnant woman you you just are and there's nothing wrong with that I'm, I'm not saying it's bad but it's your your life before is kind of gone it's kind of gone so I don't know having something like cannabis and being able to smoke hit my bong felt like I was still just me you know some women for some women, it's, it's a glass of wine. They say, oh, I can't wait till I'm done being pregnant. I can have a glass of wine again. You know, I never had that because I, I, I smoked and I was able to keep that. And I never felt like I had to complain or felt like I was missing out on that. I feel like that was a, a huge benefit. I think there's a, a lot of moms that would very openly agree with that if there still wasn't a possibility that someone they knew would, wouldn't shame them. Because even if you have um, people in your corner that say, yeah, that's great. There's still a lot more people out there that would love to project onto you and tell you what you're doing wrong. Very sad too, you know, <clears throat> well, start jumping right where we're at to go back a little bit um, can go back it's okay well i really believe you know when it kind of relating back to her that um because she's dealt with anxiety you know her whole life and that was one of the reasons why she consumed cannabis and throughout this whole pregnancy anxiety has been back for sure and i wish at some point you know she would have been able to consume instead of because I, as again, as somebody that's you know huge against pharmaceuticals, I've always been against you know 
anxiety medicines and stuff like that, you know, trying to find other ways to cope with it. And, you know, it's been, this has been tough for her. And at some point I wish that somebody besides myself would have been like, Hey, once in a while, it's, you know, you need to calm down if anything for the baby's sake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the baby's sake, for your sake, I mean, that's, that's the hardest part sometimes. And when you're a pregnant mom, as much as people put you on a pedestal for being a pregnant mom, there's this catch 22 of, but the baby, but the baby, but the baby. So there's the one side of don't smoke the baby, the baby. And then there's the other side of, well, okay, smoke, it's, it's still good for you. And, and if it's good for you, then it's good for the baby. Okay. So um, I, I feel like I definitely downplayed my consumption a lot throughout my pregnancy. But if I'm being completely honest, it, it wasn't too different than what it is now. Um, it might have been a little less for a while. And then there was a point where uh, while, while I was pregnant, my ovary uh, actually twisted on itself inside and that was incredibly painful so I had to have uh, surgery while I was pregnant and um, man they pushed opioids while I was in there big time big time big time and um, I remember refusing I, I said no eight times eight times I had to say no to oxy and um, what's the other one morphine I had to, eight times I had to say no I remember at the, almost the last point, flat out telling them, look, I don't, I don't consume pharmaceuticals. It's just weed, just weed, just weed and, and edibles. That's it. And I remember uh, the, the last person that asked me laughed and she's just like, we just, we have to ask. It's our part of, it's, uh, it's just part of uh, how we manage your pain. We just, we just have to manage your pain. And just fix me, just fix me and send me home. I'll manage my pain. And I remember getting home and um, because of where they had to go in, it was right around my diaphragm. So anytime I coughed or anytime I laughed or anytime I had any sudden movement in my stomach, oh, it was so painful. So I actually went through uh, like a good month where I didn't smoke. I would just have some RSO um, or I, would, I was uh, uh, getting gummies too or something like that. And that was throughout my pregnancy and that helped a lot a lot a lot during recovery and just feeling like myself you know I think that's what I'll keep coming back to is just being able to feel like myself and not let the symptoms that come along with pregnancy kind of consume you mental symptoms too because you're right I wouldn't be surprised if her anxiety was up and um it just it's it's so many thoughts it's a baby so the thoughts that take over your brain and sometimes it's really hard to quiet those thoughts and the what ifs, especially if they're negative thoughts, you know, and cannabis kind of helps all those thoughts go, shh, you know, that's not true. And you can agree with that. But yeah. Okay. That's not true. I'm going to be a great mom. I'm everything. I'm doing everything right. I have eaten enough. I have done enough. I'm enough. It's enough. All good rather than, you know, stressing or crying or sobbing. That's, that's really hard, especially when you're pregnant. 
you know, all right, just, I, I'm back. I'm back to where I wanted to be before I back way up. You know, and the fact that, you know, they would offer you that type of medication, you know, right off the bat, freshly after, you know, birth there. No, I hadn't had birth. Knowingly. I was still pregnant. I was, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I was just as bad. Yeah. Really? Um, but what I'm kind of getting here, though, is cannabis is bad, but sending this, this opiate through your system is somehow, somehow okay, which is, you know, addicted to you. You're putting a newborn through that, a drug that any other time most adults have to be weaned off of and can't properly wean themselves off of because they can't understand the opiate pains from their pains, much less to put an infant through that, you know, even, you know, throughout that person, that before or after birth, that's going to become, that's going to enter the baby system at some point. How can that be okay versus a natural substance? Now, even more said to that is the fact that they want to give that small infant shots as soon as they can. Artificial stuff with side effects that, you know, can harm the baby. I a lot more. of those things, too. It's interesting yeah. how the medical system is uh, set up systematically and how it it's become so ingrained and it's so normal. All of the, all, everything that you just described is very normal. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know much about um, the opioid epidemic. Um, I know it was, it was while I was growing up, it was in the nineties was the biggest, the biggest chunk of it when most people died. And I'd say the most drugs were prescribed into the early 2000s. And I think it people got a, a realization of what was going on by, I'd say, 2010s and 11, 12, et cetera. And I think only now are we really uh, reprimanding companies and holding uh, doctors and, and medical facilities accountable and liable because opioids were just about a dollar. That's all they were. It was just about getting, getting money. It wasn't really about helping people or managing pain. It was about creating lifelong patients lifelong patients that's, that's really what it was and I believe that it has helped some people manage their pain and there have been some people uh, that are actively managing their pain with these opioids and high functioning and that's great for them and the majority of the people that um, are on these pain meds though are not high functioning majority and to try to rehabilitate that into cannabis users, like you were saying with the rehab and the, the cultivation, I think would be a really great idea. Much, much better than probably most of the standard rehabs that, that people go to right now. You know, kind of going back to a little bit with, uh, you know, it being in a baby system kind of early on as well. You know, we don't the necessarily the cannabis. the cannabis. Okay. You know, um, we're again, we're kind of 
science doctors are trying to, you know, give them shots right off the bat to boost their immune system or whatever. We know cannabis boosts the immune system naturally and supports other functions. You know, we don't necessarily understand the endocannabinoid system yet. One thing that they're finding out for sure, as we age, it has different functions. You know, as we get older, you, we, we tend not to necessarily get as high from it as much. It necessarily goes, it gets worked in different ways, but who's to say earlier on, say in the infant's life, Mm-hmm. that uh, it isn't completely beneficial. You know, they're finding out more so now that patients that are able to get RSO earlier on can, you know, repair brain function to damage areas. So how can they necessarily, again, a bad because thing? Oh. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think the way it's, I think it, I think it can correlate or mirror the same way that you're, a lot of people are taught, um, you know, simply this is a drug, this is bad, um, follow these rules, do ABC, it becomes ingrained and they teach their kids and they repeat those behaviors even subconsciously in everyday lives, even the way we drive, we follow the rules. It's just ingrained in our behavior. So I think that when it comes to changing the rules in the medical system, it's going to take some time, it's going to take a lot of education and it's going to take probably some mistakes and some realizations, um, who knows, who knows what. I feel like if we, I feel like if uh, we as a community, as a society had never been introduced to Charlotte's story, that uh, CBD wouldn't have made the connection that it did to so many people in hemp. It wouldn't have touched so many people and, and opened so many people's eyes. You know, and it was a real shame that the highlight of that was that she needed her medicine and they were trying to get different states legal approval. They were trying to go against the rules because it was considered bad. And then eventually the, their farm and their whole story was what it's really inspiring. Charlotte's story, Charlotte's strain. Um, Charlotte's web strain. Um, but that was just, just an example of... Um, how medically beneficial it is, yet how it was illegal, you know? I shouldn't put quotes, but it, it was technically illegal. And even seeing some, some parents in, in states now trying to get their kids medicine like that, and it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I wish it would change a lot faster, a lot faster. And I think um, as far as like the hospitals go, you just gotta find the right one. I was, I was lucky in the hospital that I was at with uh, the cannabis use and that they did not push back on my declines for um, um, the, I think it was six different shots that my son would have gotten, including a vitamin K shot. And he declined on all of those and um, declined on the ointment in the eyes. There were a few other things that they wanted to give him that uh, we declined on that head. When I, when I was asking the nurse about them, uh, even she couldn't really tell me what that was for. She just said, oh, it's just, you know, it's just what we do, honey. It's not bad. Um, it's just, it wasn't good enough a reason for me to just be like, yeah, okay, go ahead and do it. 
And I was lucky that there wasn't uh, a lot of pushback on that or I wasn't questioned on why uh, I wasn't doing these things for my kid. The, the hospital that I was at was very uh, okay with my choice. Very okay with my choices. I think it's all about the hospital and their policies and the image that they're trying to present to the world because I mean, the hospitals really are about saving lives, but at the end of the day, they're businesses. They make money. And the area that they're in depends on who they appease to. For instance, uh, I gave birth at the University of Michigan, in Ann Arbor, a city in Michigan that is home of, you know, 420 hash bash uh, protest. It's now more like a, like a little, uh, block party festival, but used to be a protest. Um, so the city's a little different. Weed is making that city so much money, it's ridiculous. Ann Arbor anyway, um, as well as the U of M. The U of M makes the city a lot of money. You always follow the money. So yeah, that, that makes me a little, I don't know. Well, I can understand uh ann arbor michigan university of michigan the, that area being a little more cannabis yeah. friendly it was it was a little but, different it was a little different i don't know how it would be at other hospitals um i feel privileged in the experience that i had for sure very privileged she's uh she chose one in uh the flint area uh, supposed to be one of the better ones for pediatrics uh, there. So uh, hopefully, you know, well, she, she, like I said, she did give up cannabis and I'm going to encourage her and thank you for your honesty, by the way, on the subject, because I'm going to tell her to go back and watch this for an honest, you know, opinion on the subject, because I think, again, she, she's, was scared to ask, you know, too many negative out, you know, opinions, too many people to look down their nose. And it's sad that cannabis is still like that, you know. Uh, like I kind of said in the beginning, so the pandemic much. opened up a lot of things for us. And that was one of the things, you know, uh, cannabis being, you know, uh, essential, you know, and a medicine. Yeah kind of let those of us caregivers people who consume cannabis was like yeah yeah told you so we have vindicated a little bit but in still you know there's a lot of people that do kind of look down their nose at oh, yeah. cannabis users we haven't won the fight yet no i think it's still a long uphill battle and i think that uh with the way that the commercial industry is changing things and the accessibility of recreational weed it's changing even more and even faster and i feel like it's it's constantly being remolded everything from you know uh, just your typical edibles to spa high-end spa uh, facial products and, and hair care products I, even in cvs now i'm seeing hemp lotions and face creams and hemp this and hemp that and I'm just like wow but hemp is always the last ingredient on the list and I think to myself you're, you're not paying for any hemp you're paying for the first five ingredients on that bottle I promise you 
as the most majority of what you pay for is the first five ingredients in skincare bottles. That's what my other business was uh, High Gorgeous. It's uh, Hello Gorgeous is uh, the aesthetics, my aesthetics uh, skincare. I studied skincare uh, extensively before I was a grower. All things beauty, all things makeup, all things skin and uh, health of skin, layers to the skin, diseases of the skin, products of the skin, everything. Pretty well uh, uh, diversified there, everything you do. Pretty damn cool. So was cannabis... Did that, did that come before or after cannabis? And I guess no, the next before. question would, with that would be, uh, was it an easy slide into? Did cannabis, was cannabis something you were like, aha, again, you know, this is another, yet another application that uh, I didn't see coming with cannabis, with skincare kind of applications? Yeah. You know, skincare, I felt like, was always kind of something that I was into. Um, my mom, before she got into corporate uh, America, she was a nail tech for years and just really took pride in her appearance and beauty. And I picked up on that from a young age and wanted to be like my mom and take pride in my looks and skin and makeup and uh, was, just, was just something that I always really liked. And um, right, right after high school, I didn't go to college. I went to aesthetic school. Um, to learn how to shape eyebrows, to, you know, the steaming facials and exfoliate the skin and uh, full body treatments, massage. I liked taking care of people and helping people feel really good. There's something really rewarding about having someone say, oh my gosh, I feel so good. I feel so good. It's perfect. Thank you. Having that appreciation for something you physically put care into or being able to see where someone's needs are and being able to bring out the best features of them. That's what felt good, you know, doing someone's makeup and being able to highlight all their best features and having them really like what they see was so rewarding and nurturing and fun. And uh, cannabis came once I started, once I actually started consuming and I started growing and I realized, um, I don't know, I kind of went through this period of feeling that um, the beauty industry was really superficial, that it was just a money-making industry that I needed to kind of refigure out what I wanted to do. Because at the time I was um, working for a skincare company that was uh, very chemical-based, glycolics and acids. And um, it just was a little, it was not what I, what I, my skincare routine now. Now I make all my own skincare and that feels really good. Um, a lot of it, uh, two of the things I infuse, um, basically an RSO that I make into them. One of them is like a facial serum and it helps a lot with cuts and scrapes and burns. My son fell um, at hockey and his whole hand was all like busted. I wish I had taken pictures. His whole hand was all bloody and like burned. And I put um, my, I use it on my face as a serum, but I put it on his cuts and I wrapped it with gauze and we left it overnight. And the next day, it was like 40% um, back healed with the light pink flesh back all over his old wounds. No scabbing, no pussing, no nothing. It looked, it looked really good. And I used that for about five more days. And within a week, all his gashes and cuts from the ice and the burns were like completely healed. Couldn't tell anything had happened there. So it, it, that, that feels really good. And I don't, 
I'm, I just, I like uh, making stuff like that now versus, you know, spending a hundred dollars on a product because um, someone that I admired and influenced uh, made the recommendation for me to purchase it. It's just really different now. And I'm trying to incorporate cannabis and um, aesthetics now, trying to figure out how to incorporate them um, and education-wise because smoking really dries out your skin. It just does. You got to stay hydrated. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I think um, I think those songs have caught up to me. It's been almost two. Wow. Uh, as I said, it does go quick. How are we doing? Uh, are we past a past time? Is it getting late? How are we I, doing that time? Uh, it's it's definitely uh, past the night when I'm usually awake, and I am probably going to get to the point where I'm going to start rambling. I think uh, I'm pretty tired and ready to ready to hit the hay. Right on. Well, again, it was nice to getting getting to know you. You know, I'm sure everybody that was watching uh, had a great time getting to know you as well. Is there a place where they can find uh, your skincare products or, uh, you know, get in touch with you if they have any questions? Um, I'm not currently uh, selling anything right now, but I would love to help anybody get started on making their own or any recommendations. Uh, my social media is the best way to get at me is at fit growing goddess at fit underscore growing underscore goddess. It's the best way. And I really appreciate you uh, having me on here. This was really fun. And you asked me, I didn't, um, I, I knew what to expect based on your chats. I guess I just didn't exactly know um, how fast it would go, how easy it would be to just chat and talk and, have have a good conversation and good vibes. So I really thank you for that because this was a really fun experience. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate that. I uh, can't tell you. Um, well, basically, before you go, there's a couple of things I'd like to go over with you. One, um, I would like to have you back some point and have a, another one-on-one -on -one with you. I feel like we were just getting partly through uh, a great conversation. Okay. one of the downsides of having such a late show, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would be grateful for another shot at having you on and kind of trying to pick up where we left off. But okay. before we go, there's a few aspects of the channel that I'd like to explain to you. First and foremost, uh, there's a few different shows on the channel. Basically, the spotlight that we've done tonight. And then uh, there's the Weed Nerd World which is you know, a few times a week. Uh, basically, how the Weed Nerd World work is uh, Mondays is a Weed Nerd World. Uh, mandatory, no guests every Monday night. You can count on that. Uh, I'm trying to work on an earlier show, West Coast Takeover, where that pops off at 11.30 for some of the people that can't stay up till 2 to come join the Weed Nerd World. <laughs> the other, other times you'd find a Weed Nerd World is before I... We got started, I told you that the time slot is open from 11.30 to 4.20. So basically how I'll finish off the rest of the evening is basically I'll stretch for a minute, go get something to drink, and I'll wind up the rest of the evening with the Weed Nerd World. 
So now that you've done the spotlight episode, um, keep that Zoom link invitation. Besides the spotlight invitation, you're always welcome to the Wheat Nerd World now. Um, basically, that's a come as you want to thing. It's only open to past guests. As of tonight, that uh, combination can be anywhere from 638 people. We kind of never know who's coming and going in the weed nerd world, which makes it kind of fun. The conversation uh, evolves from growing to uh, mushroom cultivation, sometimes a little conspiracy theory to general health. It goes everywhere. But please know that you're always welcome. That Zoom link will always work. Anytime you want to come hang out, it's always fun to have new faces come hang out and tell us what they're up to, what they're growing, uh, where they're going to be, what they're doing, that kind of good stuff. So please keep it in mind for the future that, you know, eh, I'm welcome. Okay. I'm bored. I can't sleep. I can't I have sleep. That bowl. would be the main reason. <laughs> with two kids, I'm never bored. But yes, it would be a can't sleep. With that being said, the final thing I would like to get from you, not that I haven't uh, got enough from you this evening. <laughs> uh, the silly thing I call a soundbite. Basically, it'll be <laughs> the delay is still terrible tonight. Uh, basically, uh, what I'm looking for is like an old school radio identification kind of thing. My version of it would be, hey, this is Eagle and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle episode 638. You can say whatever you want before or after. At some point, this will be a commercial for your episode. Uh, I'm ready anytime you are. Now? Oh, yes, please. Oh, you're supposed to say it. Oh, God, I'm sorry. It's late. I'm Your version. Okay. No worries. Can I do it over? Can we start over? Yes, we're fine. Please. Oh, so far. <laughs> So you so you're saying I just need to say something like, hey, it's Ashley and I'm here talking shit with the eagle. Like something like that. Episode 638. Yes, ma'am. Episode 638. Okay. Anytime you're ready. Oh. Hey, this is Ashley, and I'm excited to be talking some shit with the eagle at tonight, episode 638. Thank you so much. That was perfect. And again, thank you for your time. It's the most valuable thing we have. And you gave me a nice chunk of yours as well as a nice uh, insight into your life and some valuable information I can pass on to somebody I love too. So I'm grateful for all the above. Uh, any last shout outs that you'd like to give uh, before we go? Just a shout out to everyone and anyone who's watching that has helped me or given me any guidance or insight or support or just any kind words. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for tuning in for another great episode, another fun conversation. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys here in a few minutes in the Weed Nerd world. If not, thank you for your time. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. We are.